0: From Washington, D.C., this is on the ground. Your rights should not depend on where you live. No one should have to
1: leave their home state or even their community to travel
2: to get the health care they need. We have been debating states versus human rights in this country since the Civil War. And Mississippi goddamn, My body is my business.
3: I am here because my mother was able to decide if, when, and how to have me and my brothers. <laughs> Our fight is an intergenerational one. Everyone loves someone who's had an abortion. So miss me with your concern for black children. Cause y'all not concerned with black
4: children once they hear. Y'all don't care about our babies when they shot in the streets.
3: Liberate abortion. Liberate abortion. They're gonna hear us. they gonna we're gonna get there. We will liberate abortion in our generation.
0: Welcome to On the Ground, OnTheGroundShow.org, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. I'm Esther Averam. Well, as a far-right majority on the U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments this week in a case that could overturn the landmark abortion rights law, Roe v. Wade, reproductive justice activists spoke outside the court at the Abortion is a Central Rally. These organizers from around the country competed for ear space with hecklers and nearby anti-abortion activists. Including those specifically targeting black women in the pro-choice movement. We begin with Lori Bertram Roberts, founder of the Mississippi Reproduction Freedom Fund and co-director of the Yellow Hammer Fund, which assists women in Alabama.
4: Hey
5: y'all!
4: How y'all doing? So I come with lots of messages today from the South, from Mississippi, from Alabama. Woo. And my own abortion story, which is the story of how I couldn't get an abortion and how I held that stigma and that shame for years, right? Because I was a turnaway patient. It's why I do this work. I was 18 years old. I was pregnant and I didn't want to be. My doctor had told me if I had another baby within a year, I could die. I had just had a C-section. My children, my daughter right there, and my other daughter at home are 14 months and two days apart. Anyone who knows anything about obstructions, like Dr. Joya, will tell you that is not safe. And so he had recommended that I discontinue my pregnancy, but I didn't have enough money. And so Planned Parenthood could not help me. As nice as they were, as kind as they were, as compassionate as they were, They had to refer me to another clinic once I had the money and that clinic was three hours away and I couldn't get there. And I didn't have the money to get there because it would have cost me so much to my household. I couldn't care for the kids I already had, which were three at 18 years old. So I had that baby. I love her. I dare anti's to tell me I don't love my child because I wanted an abortion. (laughs) You, I love her. But that does not mean I did not endure trauma that we didn't end up being homeless, that I didn't have to drop out of school. I didn't get back to school till I was 25. And it doesn't mean that I didn't end up pregnant again because healthcare is structured in a way that is hard for people like me who are black, who are poor, even though I'm light skinned, who are black, who are poor, who are young mothers who are divorced. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's harder for my darker skinned sisters, but it's hard for all of us out here. You understand me? And in the South, it's even worse. We have folks who get abortion funding from us and have to wait six months to get an IUD from the health department. So when these Republicans wanna talk about why people have so many abortions, and when y'all out here shouting about black genocide, also, you because I don't see y'all out here fighting for better access to birth control. I don't see y'all out here fighting for better access to tannins. SHUT THE F- UP I don't see y'all out here fighting for better access to diapers I don't see y'all out here fighting for better access to housing I don't ever see many of y'all out here protests for better access to clean water in my city I don't see y'all out here a a for better water for them neither And it can't be genocide when you're raising the babies of a nation of black people. Dare you to call me a genocide person when I have eight black babies in my house that I'm raising plus a grandbaby. I cannot be committing genocide when I'm raising black children. And I'm a black woman. You can't commit genocide when you are creating and raising the culture you belong to. So y'all can miss me with that. It's the same thing with reason bands. White people want to talk about... We need reason bans to keep people from aborting black babies. But the reason is that white women are pressured to abort black babies. That sounds like a white people problem. That don't sound like a black people problem. That sounds like y'all Christians need to gather up your racist people in your churches and get to work on some anti-racism, not a ban. So every time I hear an abortion ban coming down, But you're not doing nothing that would help prevent abortion. And you're not doing nothing to help cultivate families. I call bull Because in my state, we're the poorest state. We have the worst education system. We have no Medicaid expansion. We We have the highest gonorrhea and syphilis rates. We have one of the highest HIV rates. Alabama's the same. And it's one of the most dangerous places for black women to give birth. So. Miss me with your concern for black children. Cuz y'all not concerned with black children once they hear. here. Y'all don't care about our babies when they shot in the streets. Y'all don't care about our babies when they locked up in jail. Y'all don't care about our babies when they not educated. So hush, I don't wanna hear it. And I'm gonna close this out with saying, The Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund and the Yellow Hammer Fund serves everyone. That means Trump supporters. That means fundamentalist Christians when they come to get their abortions. And I pray with them and I tell them all the same thing. Romans will tell you nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Y'all have a nice day.
6: Keep it going for Lori
3: bertram Robert.
6: Okay, our next speaker
3: is the president of the National Birth Equity Collective. Please welcome to the stage, Dr. Joya Career Perry!
2: it's been a long day, hey y'all. Y'all feeling all right? I waited a long time to get here, but we're not leaving until we get this done. All right, so I had good morning, but I'm not saying morning anymore. Good afternoon, reproductive justice leaders, reproductive health allies, family, friends, survivors, and co-conspirators. I see y'all all out here. We don't need allies, we need co-conspirators. I am Dr. Joya Crea Perry, a black mama from the Deep South who was an OBGYN and the president and founder of the National Birth Equity Collaborative. And we create yeah, thank you. Yeah. we create um, um, transnational solutions that optimize black maternal, infant health, sexual health, reproductive well-being for black folks and folks around the world. And today I'm standing here on the steps of the Supreme Court because I'm mad as hell. For too long, across this country, we have been fighting the same battle. Black mamas, babies and villages are valuable and viable. Enough is enough. It is shameful and a disgrace and injustice that our justices sit inside those hell of laws with a lack of regard for reproductive and sexual health and well-being for millions of people. Abortion restrictions are not about protecting black women's health. In fact, states that pass the most abortion restrictions are refusing to do things like pass Medicaid expansion, like have free child care, Mississippi has one of the highest rates of maternal deaths in the world, yet claims to be protecting and upholding maternal health by passing a non-scientific viability restriction. And let me say, it is no secret that these bans are rooted in white supremacy, I'll say it again for my friend Monica in the back, white supremacy, gender oppression, and religious fundamentalism. Black women do not need abortion bans. Black women need justice. We need access to the full range of reproductive health care, including abortion and infertility treatments. And black women need the Supreme Court of the United States to uphold the human right to reproductive freedom and bodily autonomy. Abortion restrictions are an attack and a violation of our civil rights. As descendants of the enslaved, we are clear that being able to make a medical decision privately with our family and a provider on if or how we will ever form a family is something we can no longer be a wedge political issue. We have been debating states versus human rights in this country since the Civil War. At Mississippi, goddamn, my body is my business. There is, is, and will never be a states rights feminism. And this is no matter what the New York Times says, the National Birth Equity Collaborative has submitted an amicus brief in September on behalf of millions of black women across this country because we know that abortion bans create hardships so today, I have three quick points that I want you to internalize. Number one, we must censor racism as the root cause of poor health, access, and outcomes for black mamas, babies, and their villages. There is no black gene. There are black folks don't make poor choices and white folks. All of this has always been a white supremacist lie. Structural, interpersonal, and internalized racism are the root causes of racial health inequities because a belief in a hierarchy of human value based upon skin color was created by racists. The Mississippi abortion ban has continued upon a legacy of reproductive oppression, stratified reproduction, population control, reproductive coercion, white supremacy, and eugenics, codified since the days of Bell B. Book. Number two, it's time for all of us to reimagine engagement around the issues of sexual health and reproductive well-being. We can no longer work in silos. Reproductive justice requires us to center the needs of the most impacted. Those of us who work in maternal and child health Reproductive health and rights, gender equality. We must work together to end racism, classism, and gender oppression that are killing us all. Political battles around abortions as a wes issue to protect babies from who? Protect babies from whom? From mamas? That makes no logical sense. Who are we protect? what is the state protecting the baby from? That lie has run its course. We must have a comprehensive approach at the federal level to address sexual health and well-being we along with 150 organizations are continuing to call for a white house office of sexual and reproductive health and well-being this office will create a permanent infrastructure to develop strategy for promoting sexual health and well-being we desperately need black women trans women birthing people low-income women people in the deep south people in inner cities indigenous sisters everybody are needs and requires to have a comprehensive approach to sexual and reproductive health because our president agrees that health is a right and reproductive justice is the way to codify that right. So to the justices who sit in this court behind me, I'm rooting for you. I am. Because I want, I want, what will history say about you? Hopefully it will say that you ended the 400 year debate between states rights versus human rights in the United States of America. And say that we deserve it to all have abortion as essential. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Give it up for Dr. Creeper! So, how many of y'all had abortions as young people? Yeah? How many of y'all had abortions as young people under the age of 18?
5: In more than half
3: of the states across this country, young people have to go ask a judge, a complete stranger to be able to have an abortion, they actually don't get to enjoy the promise of Roe without having to go see a judge if they're not ready to tell their parent, guardian, or whoever they legally have to report to. So organizations like Jane's Due Process work to make sure that young people, young people in Texas, have the lawyers they need to be able to go to court, which they have to take time out of school to do, go to court, and be able to access their abortion care that was promised to them. So when we say liberate abortion for all, we mean literally liberate abortion for all, including young people, especially minors, who are unable to access abortion care whenever they want it. So with that in mind, I wanna to welcome to the stage
6: Irma Garcia from James Press. I am also a Texan, but also from Houston, and I know there's a lot of Houston hotties uh, here today, so where y'all at? My name is Arma, and I fight for reproductive rights for teens, and I do it in Texas. I am a native Texan, but today, along with all of you, I'm here in solidarity with Mississippi as they fight an unjust and racist abortion ban. In solidarity from another state that knows this court must respect the legal right to an abortion. In solidarity knowing that even when abortion is legal, abortion access is not a reality for far too many. As the client services manager at Jane's Due Process, every day I help young people in the South exercise their bodily autonomy by obtaining abortion care through the judicial bypass process. I witness day in and day out the trauma and challenges that young people go through because of harmful anti-abortion laws like the ones being challenged in court today. Abortion bans and restrictions are designed to hurt people who are working to make ends meet, as we've talked about all day. Abortion bans and restrictions are hardest on black, indigenous, and other people of color, LGBTQ people, and young people. Young people must work twice as hard to make it past the barriers that push abortion out of reach. Teens face intense judgment for simply taking control of their bodies and making their own healthcare decisions. Access to abortion is a human right. Human rights shouldn't come with age restrictions. Until we all have complete control of what we do with our bodies, we are not equal nor free. We envision a world where our culture respects that each of us can make the decisions about pregnancy and parenting that are best for our lives. A world where young people are met with love and compassion for their decisions, whether that's to continue or end a pregnancy. For the people of Mississippi, and for all of us who need abortion care, we will do what it takes to fight this ban, and we will do what it takes to make sure people get the abortion care they need. More than 30 states deny young people the power to make decisions about abortions for themselves. Will you do what it takes to make sure young people get the abortion care they need in your state?
5: Let's start right now.
6: Abortion is essential for everyone. Let's sing young people our love. Let's let them know we will support them. And to young people in Texas, JSU process is here for you. I will continue to hold your hand and support you with whatever decision you make about your body, even when the people closest to you will not or cannot. Your body belongs to you, and you deserve to live a life with no fear and determine your own future. Thank you.
0: That was Irma Garcia of Jane's Due Process of Houston, Texas, before her, Dr. Joya Creer Perry, president of the National Birth Equity Collaborative. These are just some of the speakers at the Abortion is Essential Rally held December 1st, 2021 outside the U.S. Supreme Court. After this brief break, my interview with organizers of the rally and with Lori Bertram Roberts, who also confronts face to face a male anti-abortion heckler. This is On The Ground, ground OnTheGroundShow.org. Voices of resistance from the nation's capital. Stay with us.
7: Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang. Breaking rocks and serving my time. Breaking rocks out here on the chain gang. Cause it done convicted me a crime. Hold it steady right there while I hit it. Well, I reckon that ought to get it. Been working and working, but I still got so terribly far to go. I committed crime, Lord, I need Crime of being hungry and poor. I left the grocery store and breathing. When they caught me robbing his store, I hold it steady right there while I hit it. Well, I reckon that ought to get it. Been working, and the working, but I still got so terribly far to go. I heard the judge say five years on chain gang, you gonna go. I heard the church say five years of labor, I heard my old man scream, Lord, you know, hold it right there while I hear it, well, I reckon that ought to get it been working. Baby, I'm gonna break this chain off the rung, I'm gonna lay down somewhere shady, Lord, I sure am hard in the sun, hold it up right while I hit it, well, I reckon that ought to get it been working and working.
0: I'm out here at the Abortion is essential Rally and I'm here. Uh, just say your name and your position with the organization.
8: Elizabeth Smith, Director of State Policy and Advocacy at the Center for Reproductive Rights.
0: Now, before I came down here to hear these speeches, there was some tweets sent out that seemed to indicate that the court, some way that they were going to rule in terms of being kind of detrimental to reproductive
8: rights. Did you hear, have any updates since you've been out here? No, I've been at the rally since 7 a.m., so no updates, but 50, almost 50 years of precedent tells us that this Mississippi law is unconstitutional, and it is our hope that the court heard those arguments and will rule that it is an unconstitutional ban. And is this rally also because
0: they did not take up the Texas law, which has been in effect, I guess, for, what, three months now?
8: So they heard oral argument on the Texas law SB-8 on November 1st, but they haven't issued an opinion yet. So today you heard a lot of speakers talk about the harm of abortion bans, like SB-8, but also like this Mississippi 15-week ban.
0: Okay.
8: And after this rally, what are the next steps? The Center for Reproductive Rights litigates on behalf of independent abortion providers. So we have multiple cases throughout the country. We also work on policy at the state level. So we will be focused on winning the cases that we're currently litigating against unconstitutional abortion bans and restrictions, and also working with state advocates to pass abortion protections and to defend against new oppressive abortion bans.
0: So, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about reproductive justice, they want to expand it beyond just abortion in terms of uh, um, contraception or the disproportionate impact on pregnancies on black women in terms of maternal health, infant mentality. How can you speak to some of those issues? Because not everyone may be clued into the abortion issue, but they see reproductive justice in a, in a larger sense.
8: So the Center for Reproductive Rights works on reproductive rights. So we work on access to health care. But reproductive justice advocates are essentially looking at how people are able to form families when they want to do so. And so if you think about what forming a family requires, we are talking about health care, we're talking about access to clean water, we're talking about access to food, we're talking about maternal health care. And so reproductive rights and the spectrum of reproductive health care is part of reproductive justice, but as you say, it is much larger. It is how we support people to form families of their own when they choose to do so and live free from oppression and violence.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I guess you heard these, uh, I guess, hecklers or whatever people are shouting black genocide. And I heard so many of the speakers uh, address them directly. How has that, I guess, campaign or chant or perspective impacted your work?
8: So as an individual, I think trust black women is exactly the thing that we should all be doing. I think when we talk about anyone's decisions about reproductive health care, it should be their own decision, right? We need to trust people to make the best decisions for themselves. And so the discriminatory language that's used around abortion bans is just that, discrimination. When people decide to have an abortion, for whatever reason they decide to have an abortion, we need to trust that they are making the best decision for themselves. Okay. Thanks.
4: I'm asking you, how many black babies have you actually, like, Giving cribs for? Them. How many ba- black babies have you given car seats for? How many black babies are you out here providing formula for? How many black babies are you out here doing doula workout for? How many black babies are you out here providing a lot of work care for? Uh uh-uh, uh. That's not what I asked you. work in the black That's not community. what I asked. I have said, How many black babies are you following through their first year of life so and that- making sure that they make it through their first year, which is the most so critical year? Because, because the work I'm doing in the black community is, is not necessarily with abortion, I don't have a right that's to say that. That's not what I said. It. You said you were out here trying to save black babies, and I asked you how many black babies. Babies, are you out you're first of all before you got here i asked about five and questions that she can answer stay out of this, see see out this out of out conversation out like she said to everybody I'm else because, because it's a, a back and forth and thing at this I'm point perfect,
5: perfect. Yeah.
4: appreciate yeah, that and like i said right. the importance isn't whether or not i know how many black babies are aborted every year so it is important to me it's important to me but you said you're saving black babies you said you're saving black
7: babies what black babies what are you talking about
4: that's what you literally said to the white woman you literally said it to that white woman. I said, I'm
7: saving black babies? She said, I, I she
4: said, I would like to contradict like thank you for you, yes. your work out here saving black babies. Thank and you, you were like, Thank it. you, thank I'm you, just that's going why to I'm just work doing my on grandmother. my you confirmed it, like,
7: You confirmed that you're out here saving circles, black babies, did. right? I do like you. Though. I'm not talking I circle. I do like I'm catching you
4: on your bullshit. And you don't like
7: it? <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> what's happening.
6: You can't answer yeah. any you question I ask. Do you know
4: how many black babies in Mississippi are in, Wait, in danger it, due to dirty law water? Law I said, do you know how many law 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 black law babies in, in Jackson, Mississippi, are at risk because of the lead in the water? How about Flint? Law law like, law that's law why. Aren't you happy the
8: infrastructure law bill, law bill, 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 bill? bill passed? and now All 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 those pipes No, because
4: guess what? Who guess who's in charge of that water bill? When that comes to Mississippi, it's the governor in charge that money.
7: Do you know what bill I'm referring to? No, no, you don't, because that has nothing to do with your governor,
4: obviously. Yes, it does. That money goes. And the governor is the one who determines where it goes. Apparently, you do not okay, know what you're talking okay. about. As far, well, what are you talking about? We're you talking don't about know what you're talking about. infrastructure Yes. And yes. So when it comes now, to the so state, you're progressive.
8: You're progressive. Oh, my
4: God. And when it goes to the states, the governors get to determine where that money goes. OK, but what's the problem? Because the governor still allocated the certain it all. projects. So, so don't so, uh, You're Do not, not understand understanding. You what the, what governor, Please stay out of our conversation. You're not understanding what the governor the governor is not going to allocate the money that Jackson needs to fix our ty- types because he don't give a f- about Jackson and he's already said it. I just to so, he said he no money's going to fix the pipes. I didn't say no, not enough. I'm Lori Bertram Roberts. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I work in both places because I co-founded the Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund and I run the Yellowhammer Fund of Alabama. We fund abortions. We help people with practical support to get them to their abortions and um, back home safely and make sure that their needs are cared for beyond abortion, like diapers, wipes, housing, all kinds of things for family justice. So we're reproductive justice funds that work in the South. And I thought it was really important for you know, Southerners to be here, to speak up for Southerners, but also for black women to be here, to speak up for black women, because I knew that part of the narrative was going to be black channel side this and black channel side that, because they always find their Where's five...
0: Where did that come from? Where did that
4: come from? To be honest, it comes from when Obama was elected. Conservatives wanted to find a way to try to peel off the black voting bloc away from the away from the liberal wing of... of politics right and from Democrats Mm -hmm. and so they know that traditionally black you know black folks are very religious and they thought well if we say black you know know abortion is (laughs) black they also know that you know there is a traditional critique out of pro-black pan-Africanism about abortion being black genocide but that critique is actually much deeper than what they're trying to say they're just like Margaret Sanger invented abortion and therefore that's the whole history of abortion and white people have been targeting with, uh, us with abortion and that's not true and so they thought okay well we'll as usual white people were like we'll steal this <laughs> and we'll send it out to black folks and some black people have you know come along with it and they agree but for the most part it hasn't done much for them so they always get their five token black folks to come out here and yell at black women about abortion being genocide but it makes no sense you cannot be a genocide (laughs) you know a genocidal person while racing the same people of your culture you know, if you took those people out of your cult of their culture and were raising them, that would be one thing. But as a black person, you can't be raising black people, black children, and get an abortion and be called a a, a person that's committing genocide. It's nonsensical.
0: Right. right. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, no, no. I appreciate it, though. So, what what happens now? What What are your next steps as you go back to Mississippi or, or um, you know, stay here and and advocate? What What are you doing next around this issue?
4: Yeah. So I'm going to hopefully meet with several lawmakers. I'm really trying to get them to understand that it's time to get rid of the filibuster and go on ahead and pass the Women's Health Protection Act. Whether or not um, SCOTUS does whatever they do, it's time for that to pass because even if SCOTUS side's on our side, we still need the Women's Health Protection Act to equal out access across the country. Even if we win, we still lose in the fact that we're still at this unequal, unequitable access across the country. And so we just need that protection whether or not you know, whatever SCOTUS does. And I really feel like if lawmakers want to prove that they are supporting black women specifically who got delivered them the vote, who got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris elected, then they would move to pass
0: that law expeditiously. All right. Thank you so much.
9: y'all are still out
3: here man i'm getting energized
5: we need you some exercises everyone how, how
3: your back's doing okay yeah yeah some stretches she's like no my back not okay I, I feel you i feel you okay so we have like our last five or so speakers um and so the next speaker that i'm bringing to the stage is a dear friend she's representing the aclu it is my friend jess
5: Aaron. You beautiful
1: people. Woo! Give it up. Thank you for still being here with us today. Thank you for sticking it out. Hope you're doing well. Enjoying what is at least a beautiful day. My name is Jessica Ahrens. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm with the ACLU, where we are fighting in all fifty states, DC and Puerto Rico to ensure abortion access for all. I am so honored to be here with you today. Three months. The Texas abortion ban has been in effect for three months. That's three months of wrecking havoc on people's lives. Three months of making them scramble to find the abortion care they need in time or have a child under conditions that feel utterly impossible. The Texas and Mississippi abortion bans aren't identical, but their goal is the same. To push abortion care out of reach and deny people the right to make deeply personal decisions for themselves. Sadly, forced pregnancy is nothing new. It's as old as the country itself, going all the way back to chattel slavery. But our history doesn't have to be our future. Our Constitution promises us something better. It guarantees to everyone, and I mean everyone, the freedom to control our bodies and determine our own futures. But as we all know, freedom can't defend itself. And that's why we must fight for freedom everywhere, in the courts, in the legislature, in the voting booths, and here in the streets. But not just at the Supreme Court or across the street in Congress, but in the states too. You know this. In this year alone, states pass more than 100 abortion restrictions, and approximately half the states are poised to ban abortion as soon as they get the green light from this court behind me. And we know that abortion bans harm the most those who already face discriminatory barriers to health care. People of color, immigrants, LGBTQ plus people, folks with disabilities, and those struggling to make ends meet. And so many more. But for every Texas that's controlled by politicians relentlessly seeking to deny our rights to health care, dignity and bodily autonomy there's a new mexico where a broad movement led by women of color successfully repealed a decades-old abortion ban and removed the threat of criminal punishment for providing people with the health care they need for every mississippi there's an illinois that just became the very first state ever to remove barriers to confidential abortion care for young people. That's right, that's right, absolutely. So these victories should absolutely be celebrated, but they are not enough. They are never going to be enough. Your rights should not depend on where you live. No one should have to leave their home state or even their community to travel to get the health care they need. And that's why we need, we deserve, a nationwide solution that will fix this crisis that millions of people across the country already face. And countless more will experience if this court continues to turn its back on us. Thank you.
3: Give it up for Jess Arias and the ACLU. Our next speaker is with the Women's Right and Empowerment Network. Please welcome to the stage, Maya Wu. honestly i don't
10: mind it's some great background music so we'll just go with that but continuing the trend of advocates from the south my name is maya ward i am a 25 year old cisgender woman of color from south carolina and i am lucky enough to be here speaking to you all today representing not only myself but also the incredible organization that i work for the south carolina women's rights and empowerment network wren is a statewide nonprofit with a mission to build a movement to advance the health, economic well-being, and rights of South Carolina's women, girls, and gender expansive people. And REN is the only statewide gender justice organization in the state of South Carolina. South Carolina, a state that is not very friendly to reproductive rights. And so earlier this year, South Carolina passed its own six-week abortion ban, and it's gearing up to pass a lot more. I know, boo. So as part of RAND's work, we organize people all across the state to mobilize against that ban. One of the big things that we do is getting regular people involved in the legislative process. So at every stage as the bill made it through the legislature, we were sharing status updates and we were asking people to get involved by emailing, by calling, by tweeting, but most importantly, by using their voice. We needed people to come testify at subcommittee hearings for the bill. So often, these subcommittee hearings are full of preachers, pastors, anti-choice extremists. And we really need to bring in the people who would actually be impacted by a six-week abortion ban. Because those are the voices that really needed to be heard by these legislators. And as I was posting and sharing and asking people to come testify, I realized I am one of the people who would be impacted by a six-week abortion ban. And I had not yet signed up to use my voice. And I thought, if these legislators are going to be listening to all of these old men who are never going to be impacted by an abortion ban, then they should also have to listen to me.
5: (laughs) Right? And all of us.
10: All of us. And so I signed up to testify and I was obviously absolutely terrified. But when the time came, I spoke from my experience. And I said that to me, abortion is a good thing. Because access to abortion means opportunity. It means choice. It means I have the ability to become who I want to be and to eventually become the parent that I want to be. Because when we're talking about abortion bans, that choice is key. We're obviously out here defending our right to abortion, but we're out here also defending our right to make the best choices we need for our own futures. Because ultimately that's what's being taken away. So, No matter what happens with this Mississippi case, we need y'all to use your voice. There is no doubt across the nation, there will be countless bans and restrictive bills passed. In my home state of South Carolina, our legislative session hasn't even started yet. It starts in January, but there have already been dozens of restrictive bills introduced in pre-file. And so I'm encouraging you to use your voice, not only by calling and emailing, but also by showing up at rallies like this, but at committee hearings, at public forums, at any opportunity you have to make the people who pass laws actually listen to the people who are impacted by them. I'm pledging that in the coming year, I will do my best to use my voice whenever possible, and I'm challenging you all to do the same. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about what Wren does, you can visit our website at scwren.org or you can follow us on social media at Wren Network. Thank you all so much.
0: That was Maya Ward, CEO of the Women's Rights and Empowerment Network, before her, Jessica Ahrens of the ACLU at the Abortion is a Central rally held December 1st, 2021, outside the U.S. Supreme Court, as the court heard arguments in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization regarding Mississippi's 15 week abortion ban. Mississippi officials are asking the justices to uphold the law, which would overturn protections affirmed in the court's 1973 Roe versus Wade decision. This is on the ground, on thegroundshow.org, voices of resistance from the nation's capital. Stay with us.
3: So, our next storyteller is also a We Tested by storyteller, and also uh, he's a senior research analyst at ReproAction, and they are here to share their story with you. Please welcome to the stage, Kara Mailman!
11: Well, good afternoon, everyone. My name, as Renee said, is Kara Mailman. Um, My pronouns are they, he, and when I was in college, I self-managed my abortion. So I'm gonna give y'all the short version, and the short version starts with this. When I was in college, a guy that I was seeing casually tried to force a serious relationship I did not want onto me by poking holes in all of my condoms and getting me pregnant. Now, for some context about me, I am yet another Southerner. I grew up in Georgia. I am a lapsed Catholic. I used to go to the March for Life as a child. And so I grew up with an aggressive amount of abortion stigma. So while I immediately knew that an abortion was what I wanted and needed, I had no idea how to access it. And I didn't have anyone I felt I could turn to. I know I couldn't talk to my parents. And even though most of my friends were pretty progressive, I still had been ingrained in this culture of shame for so long that I felt like I couldn't ask anyone for help. So when I saw that the nearest clinic to me was over an hour away by car, a thing I did not have at the time, I decided to do a little research and I learned how to herbally self-manage my abortion. And I will never regret that. I am so grateful that I was able to find a way to take my abortion and my reproductive care into my own hands. But there are some things I wish that I could tell past Kara, and these are things that I want other young people, especially other young people who have had anti-abortion stigma shoved down their throats from a young age. Here are some things I want you to know. Abortion is normal. Abortion is nothing to be ashamed of. Abortion pills are safe, they are effective, and they are magic. And I had no reason to be ashamed. Your friends are more likely to support you than you think. I'm grateful for my abortion. I'm grateful for the friends who, when they found out what had happened, came and provided for me. Shout out to Mike, if you're watching this, thank you for those tacos. I am going to keep this short, but before I step down, I just wanna say, as we face yet another ridiculous anti-abortion restriction, safe, legal, and rare. Abortion should not be rare. Abortion should be safe, legal, free, and accessible to anyone who wants one. Thank you all so much.
3: Give it up for Kay. Okay, so our last speaker is amazing. I I'm just so honored that. Indigenous Women's Rising has been doing so much amazing work to make sure that Indigenous folks across this country, in particular in the Southwest, have access to abortion care and are centered in this movement. So I am I am super excited to bring to this stage Nicole Martin, who is a sex edu- educator and co-founder of Indigenous Women Rising. Please welcome to the stage, Nicole!
9: Hello everyone, my name is Nicole Martin. I introduce myself in Denef Bazan. whether you like it or not, it's the language that saved this country during World War II, but I'm not here to praise this country. If you know anything about Indigenous woman Rising, we're an abolitionist organization. So the fact that I'm up here standing in front of the Supreme Court, recognizing that America is on stolen land, the supreme law of the land is a fallacy. These systems were founded upon genocide and enslavement. Mother Earth and all of her creations from the five-fingered to the non-five-fingered beings are experiencing the effects of white supremacy. Capitalism, imperialism, and individualism actively work against indigenous core values. The U.S. stole land through treaties with sovereign governments, Thus creating a federal trust responsibility with 576 tribes across this land. And in Article 6, it actually says that the treaties are the supreme law of the land. But not one has been honored since the creation of this country, America. And I spelled that with three Ks. Through the federal trust responsibility, Indian Health Services is one of the compacts they made with federally recognized tribes. I use Indian Health Service, and oftentimes I get the runaround of what I actually have access to. In New Mexico, we have 12 Indian Health Service facilities. Only six provide reproductive health care and not even the full spectrum of health care. Abortion care is provided only in cases of rape or incest and in the event the pregnancy is detrimental to the well-being of the mother and the fetus. The Hyde Amendment. That is why indigenous people cannot access abortion care within Indian Health Services. (sighs) First of all, don't even talk about genocide. It is just one of many barriers, the Hyde Amendment, uh, that indigenous people face. Other barriers are finances, transportation, childcare, privacy and security. At Indigenous Women Rising, one thing is for sure, we don't believe in borders or binaries. Ha- healthcare is an inherent right for us all, no matter our situation. Once we take our first breath, spirit is honored We wo- and we come into reality. Yes, we should be protected. Our women, transgender, non-binary and two-spirit relatives lives shouldn't be missing and are murdered from here to Palestine people deserve to live their fullest and healthiest lives in dignity safe from systems of oppression whose intent is to kill them and keep them in a cycle of sickness the land and all land across this world shouldn't be extracted because of its resources in order for five-fingered beings and all of our non-five-fingered being relatives to survive, colonialism and capitalism must die. Don't talk to me about how abortion is white supremacy. After 500 years of colonialism and continued violence on other people who are not white or white passing, who are not heterosexual, or who do not identify as cisgender. How can y'all take pride in genocide and tell me what kind of healthcare access I should have? My ask, all of you, for all of you today, especially all you white women, and you cis-heterosexual men, and indigenous men, and non-indigenous men, this isn't about you. This has never been about you, especially when you're on stolen land. Follow my leadership and the leadership of black, indigenous, trans, and non-binary people. As Dr. Abigail Elkohawk said, come to us because we have the answers, not because you think we have the problems.
3: (laughs) Give it up for Carl. Shout out to Indigenous Women Rising. So, did y'all have fun at this rally today? Did y'all have fun at this rally today? Yeah. Hey. So, did you enjoy the speakers at this rally today? Yeah. So, I want to bring somebody up to the stage who made this rally possible. Please come up, Liz. Yeah. This is Liz Wilch. The only reason I agreed to do the rally in 2020 and the rally this one here is because of this woman. Because Liz, is amazing and does amazing rallies. So please give
5: it up for Liz. Oh, you. you little
9: brat. <laughs>
5: Let
9: me get the other one.
3: So, okay, the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, because I'm MC, I'm going to take a minute of personal privilege um, for the last minute. So try trying not to cry and do this. So my mom is here. my mom. I would not be here without her. So I started talking about my abortion 10 years ago. And when I first started talking about it, I was afraid that she wouldn't love me anymore. But when I told her that I wanted to, once that I'd had an abortion, that I wanted to talk about it, she said, Renee, I love you no matter what. And that's where everyone loves someone who's had an abortion came from. but i have been doing this this work a couple of years and i remember i was sitting on a bed and i was writing a, a guide for people who wanted to share their abortion stories and my mom was like what are you doing and so i told her that i was writing a guide to support all of us who want to share our abortion stories and that's when she told me that she had an abortion and that she chose me and that my life i am here because my mother was able to decide if, when, and how to have me and my brothers. Our fight is an intergenerational one. Everyone loves someone who's had an abortion. This is why we share our stories. And it wasn't until this case, when we sent our amicus brief to the Supreme Court, that my mother decided to say, let's talk about it. So, anyway, in front of all these people, Mom, I just (laughs) want to tell you. Thank you for making me the strong black woman that I am. Thank you for teaching me everything I needed to know that even though when I had my abortion, I didn't come to you, you taught me every single thing I needed to know to be able to do it for myself. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for choosing me. Everyone loves somebody who's had an abortion. If you've had an abortion and you haven't shared your story with someone you love, please do, because this is actually why we do this work, right? If I had known, I probably would have been able to come to her, right? That is the power of this work. That is the power of our stories. This is why we testify. I hope y'all have an amazing day. Thank you for coming out to this rally. Go out, go forth, and liberate abortion! Thank you. Go home, have
5: fun.
6: Liberate
0: abortion. Love y'all. That was the MC for the rally, Renee Bracey Sherman, before her, Nicole Martin of Indigenous Women Rising. And again, these activists were rallying on December 1st 2021 outside the U.S. Supreme Court, and based on the comments of justices during this week's hearing, observers are alarmed that the right-wing majority on the court could uphold Mississippi's 15-week ban on abortion and, in effect, overturn Roe v. Wade entirely. Moderate justices warned that dismissing nearly 50 years of precedent would bear the stench of partisan politics. And that will do it for today's show. This is on the ground, on the ground voices of resistance from the nation's capital at on the ground You can check out all of our current and past shows, contact us and support us. You can also let us know you like the show on Facebook, Twitter, or on patreon.com forward slash on the ground show. Our podcast is on the ground with Esther Ivarum, and you can subscribe on all your podcast platforms, and if you check out the podcast, I would appreciate a nice rating from you. Our podcast, the social media pages and website all have a protest sign with green lettering that says on the ground. The music we played this hour included the work song by Nina Simone and our theme music is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. I'm Esther Everum. Until next time, keep raising your voice. Peace. Well, it's the end of the year, my on the ground family. And if you've enjoyed the podcast all this year and you have $33 to Spare you can become a new member at patreon.com forward slash on the ground show is my Patreon page. And that annual option allows you to give all at once. You don't have to worry about your checking account or your car getting jacked up with some overages on a monthly basis just for $3. So with just that little, you could become a new member and really help me to build the show it's an honor. It's a labor of love to do the show. And I would like to continue doing it and doing it as best I can. So if you can go to patreon.com forward slash on the ground show and become a member during our year end drive, I would really appreciate it. You can also go to the website on the ground show.org to see all ways you can give, including PayPal, a check, or however way you want to give. But Patreon is the number one way because I can send you a email automatically when the show posts and you'll get extra bonus content there as well. Okay. So please don't forget if you are giving or in that giving mode and you can spare anything to support on the ground, I certainly would appreciate it. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash on the ground show. All right. Peace.